Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network, of course, brought to you by Jaspers. We are at Bridgestone Arena on Wednesday evening after the first round of the NHL draft. The Nashville Predators have selected two players, forward Matthew Wood with the 15th overall pick and defenseman Tanner Molendyke with the 24th overall pick. I'm here with a cavalcade of superstars from the Nashville Press Corps covering the Nashville Predators. I've got uh, Michael Gallagher, of course, from Nashville Hockey Now. I've got Nick Keezer from 102.5 The Game and Nashville Hockey Now. And Jeremy K. Gover, the K stands for knowledge from It's All Your Fault, the Nashville scene, of course, and AP Radio as well. So, boys, uh, outside of uh, old goaltenders, maybe not saying everybody's name correctly, um, what was for, let's start, we'll get into each of these players, guys, and what you guys think of each of the players. But let's start with the strategy. They did not trade up. They drafted a forward, and they drafted a defenseman. We talked about the board being draft heavy for defensemen later in the first round and heavy on the top end with forwards. Uh, Gover, we'll start with you. What do you make of the strategy of the Nashville Predators in the first round? Personally, they've always tried to get they, – they've never had that top flight stud forward they've been able to draft and then develop, right? Closest one, of course, is Alexander Radulov, and you know he's the guy who, of course, defected to Russia, and then by that time he came back and his prime of his career was over. Okay, then the next best case, and probably the best case scenario truly, is Philip Forsberg, even though they didn't draft Philip Forsberg, but they basically took it, right, you know, first round, they got, or first round. He was a first round pick, but I mean, his first year as a pro, okay, he got traded to Nashville, so they basically developed him. But beyond that, there's no other real example of a bona fide superstar forward. And at picking at 15, that's pretty hard to do. But they went ahead and they took Matthew Wood, who's a, a great scoring player at UConn. College hockey players, for those who don't know, freshmen don't usually collect points. This guy was basically a point-per-game player as a freshman, so it's very promising. But the second thing that you asked me about, which is the second pick, so he's a defenseman. And I don't know if he was worthy of a first-round pick or not. His personality definitely was when we talked to him. But I don't know if his play necessarily is because there was kind of two guys and then everybody else, and he was everybody else. Well, I think just to build off of what Gover had to say, what I do like about Matthew Wood is he's, he has that confidence. And so more or less what I got out of what he had to tell us was he's an offensive threat. He could score from anywhere and make those plays. That's something the Predators have been lacking for a long time, guys. And I think this could be an answer if he develops the right way. And also, going back to a freshman that performs, scoring 34 points in 35 games, that is very, very hard to do. And when you join the Nashville Predators, you have the expectation to score goals now and create a lot of plays. What I like about Mullendyke on defense is he is a mobile guy that had a first-round grade. Much like Gover said as well, I personally think he could be hyped up as a first-round selection. However, I think he could possibly prove it. I know he's six foot, but he could certainly build off of that, and that's what is very encouraging about that draft pick for the Predators. Yeah, and I think the thing I like with Molendijk too is he kind of fits the mold of the typical Nashville Predators defenseman. Like, granted, he's not over six foot. I think he's 5'10", 5'11", somewhere in there. Um, but he, he has offensive upside. Uh, he has a terrific shot from the point. He's a puck mover, plays well on the, on, in transition, on the rush, all that stuff. He defends the edges really well. I feel like that has Barry Trotz's name written all over it. That's a Barry Trotz pick. Um, I really like Matthew Wood as well. I thought it was interesting that he kind of compared himself to Tage Thompson, said he models his game after Tage Thompson. And that's not a bad player to, to, to model your game after. I mean, 38 goals two years ago, 47 goals this year, 94 points this year. Tage Thompson, I feel like, is one of the better power forwards in the NHL. Um, and I, what I like about that pick is I feel like they're trying to 
not recreate what they had, but I feel like they're trying to have what they had when they had both Philip Forsberg and James Neal together. You have two strong power forwards that can drive the net, that can put pressure on the defense, that can just infuriate the goaltenders, make life hell for the for the opposing defenders. And I feel like that's kind of what they're trying to do with Matthew Wood. I'm just doing a little bit of research on him. I found, um, I don't know what site it was, but it's a, it's a site that uh, covers the UConn hockey team. And they said that Matthew Wood could possibly move to center next year. Um, and he did tell us that he was going back to UConn for his sophomore year. That's something to keep an eye on, too. Maybe the Predators knew that. They, you know, I mean, Matthew Wood said that he talked to them this morning. That's probably something they probably talked about is he, he's, I think he's a right winger now. If he does move to center, the, the, all the hype going into the first round was Barry Trotz trying to find that, that, that number one franchise-changing center. Maybe he, he, he got that in a little bit of an unconventional way. What I think is interesting and what I love working with all of you folks uh, on is that you're all such uh, prospect nerds that I asked you guys about the strategy and all you guys did was talk about the prospects, um, which is fine, which is totally fine because I love the strategy. I'll, I'll go to Jasper's, by the way. Um, I, I think what I liked about the strategy was, the again, as a novice studier of the board itself, there were some really high-end talent. Nick and Michael, you on a previous, last week's episode talked about a lot of that talent. We did talk about Matthew Wood. It was very clear that there was going to be a high-quality player that was going to fall to them at 15 that played forward that could score. And it was very clear that you had to sort of take your pick on defense if you weren't going to get one of the top two guys. Now, they could have taken Pelica at 15. He was available to them, who's a guy that fits their mold very clearly, and they decided against that because they needed to go get a top top six scorer, which is what they did. Now, let me ask you guys about the type of player Matthew Wood is and what does it tell us about the strategy moving forward? And, and Michael, I'll start with you. you. You mentioned the power forward. This is a 6'4", 195-pounder. He scored points. Uh, I will say, I'll give, I'll give you guys some nuggets here, uh, some things that I learned uh, in talking around the press score, and that is, didn't know a whole lot about Nashville at all. Didn't know a whole lot about the Predators at all. Grew up a Penguins fan, uh, so there's that. <laughs> Predators fans. Um, but he's a different type of player, right? Doesn't it show you that they're not going old Predators way? Does it teach you anything about the style that Andrew Brunette or Barry Trotz wants to execute moving forward? Yeah, I think it kind of shows the game plan. It kind of shows what kind of hockey they want to play. And when Barry Trotz introduced Andrew Burnett as the head coach, he said that he's going to play a brand of hockey that is fun and entertaining. It pushes the pace. Andrew Burnett said he wants to play with the puck for, for all 60 minutes, if possible, basically. Um, and I, I, think, I think that shows that they're going to be an aggressive team. They're going to be a team that goes out and hunts the other team as opposed to waiting to sit and kind of counterpunch, which is what they did a lot under John Hines. Um, so I think the guys that they got – fit Andrew Burnett's system perfectly. I think Tanner Mullendyke being kind of a, an offensive defenseman, um, I believe Stephen Ellis of uh, Daily Faceoff said it, at times he felt like a, a fourth forward out on the ice because of the offensive skill set that he has. Um, I think that'll play really well into what Andrew Burnett wants to do, especially with Barry Trotz being the kind of head coach that he was and kind of having that mindset going into the front office. Um, and I really think Matthew Wood is going to be someone that kind of becomes the an example of the new predator way. And we talked about this last week and how the, the predator way has to change. It has to be something different because what it's been hasn't worked. Um, and I thought it said a lot that you have guys like Sandine Pelica, Oliver Moore, Edward Soleil, Gabriel Perot, you have Callum Ritchie, you have really talented other players that are still on the board and they ended up going with Matthew Wood. I, th I thought when they were on the clock, it was gonna be Oliver Moore just because center is a really big need. Oliver Moore was a projected top 10 pick, um, probably the fastest skater in the draft. Um, and I think going with Matthew Wood shows that they're not all about all about speed. They want skill and they want offensive upside as well. 
And I think one thing, too, that I just looked up while you guys were kind of breaking that down, I noticed the Preds have not ever gone from winger to D in franchise history in the first round. So this is a unique approach for me, just looking at it in terms of, oh, okay, so this is how we want to dominate the offense now, is we have a guy that's capable of running point on the wing, and he can find his defenseman one day possibly up there for a point-blank shot, or they could possibly build up that chemistry with other players on these lines. So that's something that I like out of these two picks. You know, it's not a center. I think that they will look for a centerman probably in the second round. But ultimately, what I really like about these two selections tonight is, much like Michael said, the plan is coming out. Now, that's something I've really enjoyed seeing more from Brunette and Trotz, the way that they've talked about executing their vision for the franchise and when they're executing that and they're showing that to the fans right here in Nashville a that's encouraging and b I would like to see what these guys are going to look like at dev camp that's the most exciting thing for me as a former player is looking at okay what facets to their game have I not noticed before and what can I learn about these guys on the ice it's such a hard thing to predict, right? I mean, the draft, obviously, it's just a crapshoot, right? I mean, you know, you, you try to set yourself up for success by interviewing the players and looking at film and scout tape and, like, all these things. But at the end of the day, it's going to play out. And they're, this, these are not players that are going to help you next year. And they're, they're not even players that are going to help you the year after that. So you have two guys, right, a, a winger who maybe they want to be a center. I don't know. I'll, I'll get to all that on the It's All Your Fault podcast because I'm – I'm, I'm half-baking my thoughts, and I don't want to waste your time here. <laughs> but, but, you know, they got a guy who's a winger, maybe even center, and they got a defenseman. That's great. For all those who don't know, this is not fantasy football. They don't attack necessarily positions. They truly, usually, not all the time, but usually go after the best player on their board. And clearly, they thought these two guys were the best players on their board at the time, whether it be surprising or not to the common folk or, the, or even the expert. The fact that these two guys went off at the time, they thought these were their players. They identified them as players who can help them in the future. But, again, that future could be 2024-25 or maybe even and probably 25-26. So Tanner Molendyke was number 42, according to Scott Wheeler. Matthew Wood was number 10, according to Scott Wheeler. So, again, if you just go by his rankings, which we're just using sort of almost arbitrarily at this point, we respect him, but, like, it's just a way to, to track the data. And basically they got value at 15, and maybe they reached a little bit at 24, but they got the guys that they wanted. Um, by the way, just to make everybody – to remind everybody, we are going to be back on this week on Friday after the draft to cover Ryan Johansson, Pecorine being groomed to be the next head coach, um, <laughs> the Predators hiring an assistant coach, all the other millions of things that have happened in the last 10 days as Predators fans. But we wanted to focus exclusively uh, on the first round and the two picks. And I want to get your thoughts, guys, on just sort of the, the general vibe of the draft and the atmosphere. Gover, I know you've been here for one before, um, but I, I think the strategy was sound. I think the two players create value. One observation quickly about Molendyke is, you know, Matthew Wood, it, just from talking to them in the, in the press setting, which, again, is more of an exercise in psychological experiment than anything else, Matthew Wood is clearly a young player that has a lot of growing to do. The, the lights were bright for him, and that's totally fine. That's totally acceptable. That was not the case for Tanner Molendyke. He is very comfortable in front of the cameras. He's very clearly very confident in what he brings to the team. Speed, transition, fast hockey. Uh, he's a very confident young kid. So I just an observation there. Uh, just listen to the two of them talk. Go to Jaspers, of course. Um, Governor, let's start with you. We'll go around the horn here. And, again, appreciate you all you guys. Make sure you check out all their great work across all the 47,000 platforms that you guys are all on. Um, I'll let you do the promotion. But 
just in general, Gover, you've been to one of these before in Nashville. The energy did sort of leave the building a little bit with the Bedard thing and the Fantelli thing. There was not as much energy in the building after the fourth or fifth pick. Still plenty, plenty of Preds fans. Lots of compliments to David Poyle, of course, who was sort of like this, the star of the draft uh, tonight in the first round. But just in general, compare and contrast this year's draft with the, the, the um, many, many years ago when it was here and just your general takeaway from the first round. Well, it's funny you bring up the 2003 draft because that's the one that they, when I, I said all, not all the time, right, there are exceptions to every rule, that was the one that they did actually target defensemen. They targeted a position as opposed to just taking the best players on the board. So it's kind of funny that you bring that up. But I would say that, you know, I've been to seven drafts, now covered seven drafts, and I can tell you that the, the atmosphere was great in this one. And you're right, it did kind of die down after the fifth pick or so. But I'll tell you, there's only one reason for that. First of all, the Predators weren't picking high enough. But, but, but secondly... It's because there was no trades. I mean, it wasn't a single trade. that I, I mean, unless I missed one at the end, there's not a single trade today. And that's really odd for a draft. Usually there's something, even if it's not a draft pick trade, like a James Neal for a Patrick Hornfist, like something like that, right? That, was, that happened on first draft day. Didn't involve any picks, but it happened on draft day. There was nothing of that. And so there wasn't a whole lot of let's, let's sit on the edge of our seat in this emerging hockey market and listen to these players that nobody's really even heard of, right? And, and then at least give us a trade. And there was just none of that. And so I think that was probably the main reason for great atmosphere. Don't get me wrong. But that was the reason for kind of the, the dip in energy from 5 to 15. Uh, Nick, uh, first of all, tell everybody where they can find you. And then this is your first draft. So uh, your, your, your thoughts and experience. Yeah, so you can catch my work at Nashville Hockey Now. We'll be also on 1025 The Game here soon reporting for them, so proud to announce that sort of in a way. But I will say the last time the draft was in Nashville, I was a young tyke, so <laughs> everyone here at the table was a lot older than me, maybe other than Michael. But look, I am very, very happy to be here. I sensed the energy, and it was so much fun to be out there just from that standpoint of just – the intensity among all the fans. Yes, Bedard, when he got picked, we got to see all of the, of the Blackhawks fans go ape, and they were right next to us. And so that was more or less just one of the experiences I will for, forever remember is the number one overall pick being that crazy. So that was really fun. I will say it was fun to get to stand in front of these prospects, ask them about their attributes, and see what they're going to be worth here in the long stretch. I will be breaking down Tanner Molendyke, while we will also be breaking down Matthew Wood over here on Nashville Hockey Now. So stay tuned for that work and uh, whoever else the Preds pick. Yeah, this was my first draft as well. Ten years into this, finally get to cover my first draft, so that's pretty exciting. Um, I thought it was great, too. I thought the atmosphere was great. Obviously, if Chicago's not picking first overall, probably would have been a little bit better. There probably would have been more people involved. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, I had the uh, unfortunate circumstances of sitting, being probably the closest to the, the throng of Blackhawks fans, all 722 of them, that uh, showed up and made the trip here. Um, so they were right in my ear. That was great. Um, but I think, I think probably the, what stood out the most to me was, and this is just kind of funny how this worked out, I feel like every time we mentioned Connor Bedard's name, he would just pop up. He would be walking through the stands. He would be down in front of the risers where the media was. He was on the draft floor. He wasn't anywhere to be seen until we mentioned his name, and then suddenly here he comes in a Blackhawks jersey, escorted by like 40 security guards. Um, I just thought it was just kind of funny how he just randomly showed up every time we mentioned his name. I would give anything for him to walk by right now. <laughs> that would be hilarious. But, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. 
Um, like Gover said, we don't really, most people don't really know who these players are, so you can only be so excited about that. But I thought it was great. It was, it was a fun atmosphere, and, I, and I, good for Nashville for getting the hostess, and good for David Poyle gets to kind of end his farewell tour hosting the draft. Yeah, I think, um, yes, there was, I, I, Predators fans don't want to hear this, but Connor Bedard on that sort of like Rumpelstiltskin style, you know, appearance tour that he was on, at one point walks up off the floor, up into the stands. There's like a little eight or nine year old girl in a, in a Blackhawks jersey sitting like two seats in. He like comes back down two steps, gives her some dap, and like she goes bananas. Like she just loves it. She's like fainting and she's having a great time, and the dad's smiling, the mom's smiling. So, all you Predators fans that hate Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks, rightly so. Sorry, sorry. He did something nice for somebody. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. I do think uh, the in stadium presentation vastly outperformed, from what I can tell, the on television presentation of the draft. Really cool uh, video production, lots of music, lots of cool stuff, lots of stuff outside of Bridgestone. Um, I think the TV product, from what we can tell on the Elon Sewer, not exactly uh, what the other leagues are doing right now. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I think the in-stadium in presentation was fantastic, and everybody had a great time. Uh, so Jeremy K. Gover, Nick Keezer, Michael Gallagher. Uh, again, we're going to have a huge uh, sort of recap of all the news in, in Preds land and an entire draft recap coming up on, on the Gold Standard on Friday. Gover, you got It's All Your Fault coming up. you got a lot of cool stuff coming as well. 1025 The Game, Nashville Hockey Now for you, Nick, and Michael. So uh, stay tuned to all of those uh, folks. And if you want to comment on the Twitter sewer, please please do. So otherwise, go to Jaspers, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.